Good morning. So I have to put down all my stuff first. Um, well, Kevin asked me to, uh, he assigned me to today. And as we're going through talking about getting into your word, uh, specifically what he assigned to me was, um, if I can find it in my eight pages of notes, which is ridiculous, uh, I'm supposed to be talking about today the knowledge of his word. What does it mean and why is it important to have his word written on our hearts? So today I have uh, three points that I'm going to be going over with you today. Three points. Three. There's three. It's not that many. Uh, One, God's word is easy. Two, God's word is light. And three, God's word brings freedom. So God's word is easy. God's word is light. God's word brings freedom. So if you guys want to stand, we're going to go and start by reading uh, from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. It'll be two pages. For For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and he will find grace of us when we need it most. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the life that it gives, and I thank you for today. I pray that Whatever you want to say today will come through, but whatever is not of you, God, will just fade away. But Lord, I pray that hearts are open tonight, open today, just to be changed and to be moved by you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You guys may have a seat. So the first point is uh, God's word is easy. Now, easy is a very subjective word. Okay, if I was to say to you, two quarters equals... 50 cents. That was easy, right? That was so easy. However, uh, it, was that Caleb in here? Is Caleb still in here? Did he, yeah. If I was to ask Caleb right there, Caleb, 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 can you wave to everyone? Hi, Caleb, what do two quarters equal? <laughs> he said this. That's right, Caleb. That's a, that's a great answer. Easy can be a little bit subjective. Now, uh, I have, I have my daughter, Nora. Nora, can you come here for a minute? Hi, sweetie. Hi. So Nora is five years old and, um, and she knows how to, uh, swim to the bottom of our eight foot deep pool. And she's only five. Uh, which is actually incredibly impressive. Uh, I did not learn how to swim really until I was like 14. I was in high school. It was embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but 
Uh, Nora, she, she knows how to swim to the eight foot deep pool. But here's the thing. She didn't just go in saying, oh, I'm going to dive to the bottom of the pool because I know how to swim. No, that's not how it works. First, she had to learn how to stick her head under the water and be okay with that. Next, she had to, no, 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 no. We're not exploring. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, next, she had to, uh, we had floaties on her and she would kick around the pool. And she would just kick, 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 and she would turn, and she would go over, and she, she learned how to control herself in the pool. Uh, the next summer, she, um, she was finally tall enough to where her head wasn't under the water, so we were able to take that floaty off. And from having months of just swimming with the floaty on and kicking around the pool, she naturally, when she went to go swim, she went like this, kick, 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 and she just was swimming. I was like, what? This is crazy. And... So she, she learned how to, uh, she learned how to swim across the pool in the shallow end. So then we let her into the deep end. And then when she was in the deep end, she learned how to, um, the first thing I let kids do is jump off of the diving board. They jump towards the ladder and then it's just quick paddle to the ladder. And as they get used to that, then they start jumping outward and then swimming to the ladder. They start jumping farther. Uh, she, she used to do this thing. It was really funny. Uh, she would, she would jump off the diving board and then she would go like this. She would, she would stop and then do a flip. And then she would swim off to the, every single time she would jump, go to the top, do a flip. And then she would, in the water, she loved it. But then I, I, I did five flips. You did five flips. Ah, well, eventually as she got more and more used to that, she started to um, be able to retrieve those little diving toys that go to the bottom of the pool, and she could swim down to the eight-foot pool, uh, eight feet deep in the pool. To her now, swimming is easy, but swimming is not easy when she first started, and swimming was not easy for me even in ninth grade um, because I didn't. Because I, the reason why she became so great at that was because she was exposed to it often, because she started to do it. And she started to do it and learn, and she started small, but then she grew. And a lot of that is like the word of God. Sometimes you guys are like, I want to go deep. I want to learn God's word. But then you read it, and you're like, huh, what? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's, that's, but that's how God's word is, is that the more that you are exposed to it, and the more that you are in it, the deeper that God has allowed you to go because you start to get used to it. You start to familiarize yourself with the stories and the teachings. And then suddenly you'll have those aha moments and it will take you into those deep places. And then you will be able to go deep even on your own, even without that. Now I have uh, the junior Bible quiz team here. Um, we have some of them. It's only some of them, but we do uh, junior Bible quiz on Thursday nights with the kids and uh, what this is, is it's exposure to God's word. It's starting to put that into their brains and into their hearts. Yeah. And uh, so that they, they can start learning God's word, start learning those things. So I'm going to go ahead as a little demonstration. I'm not going to do the whole buzz box thing, but I'm going to go ahead and ask them some questions. And uh, I want you guys to think as I'm reading these questions, do I know the answer to this question? Are you looking for my belly button or something there? <laughs> It's so fun having a five-year-old on stage. Um, so Nora is our youngest quizzer. We start in kindergarten. And so this is Nora's first year. So Nora, can I ask you some questions? Are you ready? Okay. I have. I have this mic. She uses this one. <laughs> I know. Okay. 
What happened at Jericho when the Israelites shouted at Joshua's command? The walls collapsed. That's right. Good job. Okay, you want to hold it? You got to hold it carefully. Okay, here's, here's a little bit of a tougher one. What Syrian officer was healed of leprosy by bathing in the Jordan River at Elisha's command? Naaman. That's right, Naaman. Okay, and who were the evil king and queen of Israel during the time of Elijah? King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. She knows it. Good job, Nora. Good job. Thank you so much. No, we're going to pass the mic on to Ruby. This is Ruby. Uh, now, Ruby, she hates quizzing. <laughs> She's like, hey, who's ready to JBQ? Boo. Boo. I'm like, Ruby, that's not appropriate. <laughs> You're not allowed to say that. But <laughs> although she might say that outwardly to the people in the room, she loves doing it in, our be- in her bedroom at home at nighttime when we go over those, uh, go over those words. So, um, Ruby... Let me go ahead and ask you some questions. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. No. Thank you. <laughs> Why did Jeroboam establish idol worship in the northern kingdom of Israel? So the people want to go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices. That's right. That's right. Yes. Okay. To whom did God give a sign of the sun moving backwards to show him that he was healed? Hezekiah. Hezekiah is correct. When the people returned to Jerusalem from captivity in Babylon, who oversaw the rebuilding of the walls of the city? Nehemiah. That's right. Great job, Ruby. Thank you so much. Go ahead, you can stay right there. There you go. Pass that to Anderson. This is Anderson. Anderson's in third grade. Anderson, let me ask you some questions. You ready? What is a parable? A parable is a story about familiar things to help us learn about spiritual truths. That's right. That's right. And, oh, thank you so much. Um, Jesus' parables in Luke chapter 15 deal with what three lost things? Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. That's right. And how about a quotation question? Quotation questions is where they have to quote the verse word for word perfect and give the reference of where it's found. Quotation question, as listed in Galatians, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians Galatians 5, 22-23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Yes, great job, Anderson. You can pass the mic to Ari. Hey, Ari, looking beautiful this morning. Oh, Anderson, Anderson, you're going to come back out. (laughs) He dropped the mic, he's done. Uh, No, early gathering, I had them leave as soon as they were done. I'm going to have you stay just uh, for this one. Ari, okay, you ready? Let's, Let's start with a quotation question for you. Are you ready? Quotation question. Where did the universe come from? Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Very good. Very good. And how are people different from animals? Because God created us in his own image. Amen. Yes. (laughs) Who lived longer than any other person, and how long did he live? Methuselah, 969 years. That's right. Great job, Ari. Yeah. Okay, and Lucia, 
Lucia, let's start you with a quotation question too. Okay, you ready? Quotation question. How can we determine God's will for our lives? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understandings. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's right. Good job. Good job. And Lucia, what is the Bible? The Bible is the inspired word of God and is a revelation to all people himself and his plan of salvation. Very good. Very good. And let's do one more quotation question for you. How long will the Bible last? Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Matthew twenty four thirty five. That's right. Good job. Good job. You can pass the mic to you, Bradley. You can see that my kids are attached to me. <laughs> I get a lot done around the house. <laughs> okay, this is Bradley. Bradley, let's go ahead and ask you some questions. Start with a quotation question. Quotation question. What rule do we find in Proverbs for avoiding trouble with others? Do you want me to say it again? Yes. yes. <laughs> That's okay. Quotation question. What rule do we find in Proverbs for avoiding trouble with others? Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Bradley, how did God give us the Bible? The Holy Spirit inspired holy men, giving them both the truth and the words to write. That's right. Quotation question. Why is it important to memorize Bible verses? Psalms 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's great. Can you pass that to Hadassah? Hadassah? Quotation question. Uh, how powerful is God's word? Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Very good. And okay, quotation question, is all the Bible inspired? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. 2 Timothy 3.16. Yes. Okay, quotation question. What does an Old Testament proverb say about hiding our sins? People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. Very good. Very good. And let's just do one more. Okay, quotation question. According to Romans chapter 8, what things cannot separate us from God's love? Romans eight thirty-eight and 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. 
Can you guys can you guys stand stand in a line right on right on this line right here? Can you guys stand on this line? We have one, two, three, four, five, six. We have six kids here. Now, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but as the children's pastor, you, know, you do research and things like that. Um, out of the kids that are raised in church, 70% of them leave the church as adults. Only 30% stay. But the kids that are involved in junior Bible quiz that statistics changes to being 70% stays in the church and only 30% fall away. Why? Because the word of God is life-changing. And even if you don't fully understand everything that they're saying, even if they don't fully understand the words or the people that they're talking about, planting that seed in their heart is making a difference for who they will become. Thank you guys so much. Let's give them a round of applause. Uh, my girls, um, I have four girls. They were, uh, they were up here. The, um, and it's interesting having kids all of the same gender because um, nothing goes away. Uh, it just kind of all stays in the house. So uh, the O'Day house has accumulated a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff over the years. Um, you know, we have one child and as she plays with toys, um, then we have, you know, we have another one. So those toys get passed down to the sister under them and then they get new toys for Christmas and their birthday. And then eventually those toys get passed down and then they all get new toys for Christmas and their birthdays. And then those get passed down and then they get new toys for Christmas and their birthday and it's fantastic. Not to mention all of the wonderful papers and projects that they bring home from school. That's awesome. And you're like, and you can't throw away those or else you get in big trouble. So things just start collecting and not to, I mean, that's just, that's just on the kids side, not to mention the stuff that like we purchase. I like there's, uh, Kirkland's pillow sales are not healthy for our family. Okay. We have, we have way too many pillows stored up for uh, every season. <laughs> we just like trading out our pillows. Uh, that's why when you come to our house, there's like 10 million pillows on the couch. Cause I don't know where to store it except for on the couch now. Um, but anyways, things have accumulated and it becomes very annoying and stressful. And, uh, we love having people over to our house. We love it. And Kevin, being the kind of generous man that he is, he, he wants, when, when we invite you over to our house, he wants to give you the best that we can offer as a gift to you so that you can come, be at peace, you can rest, you can be yourself, and you can just enjoy the evening. And that means that we spend hours upon hours cleaning and cleaning and cleaning the house. And um, just so you know, there's like so much stuff. So what you end up doing is you just like, you know, you just grab the stuff and you put it in your office and then you close the door, lock it so that Cole doesn't walk in when he's here. <laughs> it doesn't stop him. He still unlocks the doors, guys. <laughs> but anyways, you close that door and then uh, you, you, you get bins and you push them towards the back of your closet and you push them to the back of your bedroom and you just close the doors because I'm still working through those things right now. So I don't want you to see them. But I do want to welcome you in and I want you to see this 
this living room I have, so clean and sparkly, and it talks of our personalities, and we can hang out, and we can be together in these rooms. Just don't go past those doors. <sighs> Please. <laughs> And it, it, becomes, uh, it becomes very stressful, too. I remember Kevin saying, um, <laughs> I, I have collected, like I said, collected the toys for the kids to kind of go through and whatnot. And it, it was a giant mountain inside our bedroom of stuff that we need to go through. And, and unrelated, Kevin just said to me, do you ever just wake up and say, I have nothing to do today? I was like, Kevin, I wake up to that every morning. No, I never feel that way. And so it's, it's this stuff that just gets accumulated. And that, it, it brings into an analogy that, that God gave me. Um, there was someone that's very, very, very close to me that, that uh, I, I received this image of like me and I'm standing in front of this gigantic fortress. And it's beautiful. It's white, it's towering, it's gorgeous. Like all you want to do is, oh, I just want to go explore that. I love that. It's so wonderful. And I have this, this fortress represents that close, close friend of mine. And all I wanted was to go inside that fortress. And I have, I've been inside that great room. I've been to the, the dining room and gotten to feast with my friend. I've gotten to do that. But there were certain areas that I never had access to these corridors within who this person was that I wasn't allowed. Like the doors were shut to those places. And it was so hard for me because I was like, I want to know this person. I want to know my friend. I want to accept not just the beautiful parts of who they are. I want to accept all of who they are. I want to go deep into who this person is and, and explore that person. And God went ahead and flipped the script and talking about our house and how that each one of us is a fortress, handsome and strong, filled with treasures put there by the king himself. And people can go in and explore all of this. But inside that fortress, there's also those dark hallways and those doors that you have shoved things into and closed that you don't want people to have access to that you don't even want to have access to sometimes, that you try to forget and ignore. And even, even maybe some treasures and good things in your life that have been stored up in an attic that you haven't, because of all the other stuff going on, you having opened those doors and you've forgotten what's inside. Things that have been forgotten, things that are wanting to be forgotten. And you have this gigantic fortress, but you live in only this much of it because you're afraid and you're hurting and you don't want to face what's on that other side, nor do you ever want someone else to face what's on those other side of those walls because you're still working through it. That brings me to my second point. God's word is light. Now I'm a children's pastor. So um, children's pastors love object lessons. <laughs> what? So do you Yes, yes. Youth pastors, Kevin O'Day loves that. So I made a heart. I made it. It's nice and big. It's a big heart. <laughs> um, so this is, this is a heart. And now um, the heart is considered <clears throat> the intellectual and emotional center of life. 
It is where you make choices motivated by your desires. Um, your heart is, is very, let me, well, let me just read it, okay? Proverbs 4, 20 through 23 says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart for they will bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Your heart is a very, very, very important part of who you are. And God talks about the heart and getting to the heart, uh, which we'll get to in just a minute. Um, well, let's just get to it now, okay? I'm just gonna get to it now. In Jeremiah uh, 17, when it talks about God getting to the heart, now Jeremiah had kind of a dark view of the heart. And so he he's writing this and, and God God answers in that. The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. Now we can walk around with a heart that looks like this, but when we get into God's word, and I'm gonna take you guys on a little bit of a scripture walk as we're talking about the knowledge of word, I wanna take you deeper using these scriptures. He uses the heart to expose things now, and that's using God's word. So we're gonna pretend this is God's word and it says uh, in Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet, a light for my path. God's word is a light. And what do we do with this light? Well, Psalms 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Yep, there we go. Wonder if I can put it here. You gonna stick? No, nope, I'll put it here. There we go. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. However, we can start to see things in the heart at this point. Why? Because all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do good work. It was 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. But then also, we just went over this verse again. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes, placing the light in your heart, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed. So by getting God's word in our heart, we start to see these things <laughs> things that we don't want to necessarily see. But what do we do with that? Well, it also says this is still a part of God's word. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy without fault, and God uses those scriptures to start to purify our heart, to strip away those things, those darknesses, those things that are deceitful, those evil desires, and replaces them with things that are good, things that are true, things that are pure, things that are after his own heart. 
in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7, it says, For God who said, let there be light in darkness, made his light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, so we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And we are like those fragile clay jars. And the thing is, as those fragile clay jars, things happen in our life that tend to speak into our life. People, situations, things that we've come across, And it starts to give us words that start to be written on our hearts like alone. Forgotten. I'm worthless. I'm faulty. I'm ugly. Worship team, you guys can come out. I'm inadequate. I don't have what it takes. I'm too hurt. I'm unwanted. I'm damaged. I'm terrible. I'm unsafe. I'm untrustworthy. I'm unforgivable. I am a failure. I'm voiceless. My voice does not matter. I'm broken. Through those situations, through those things that happen to us, we start to write this script in our mind that plays over and over again today. And it's proven true by the things that you do. Yes, I am a failure. I failed that test. Yes, I am a failure. I couldn't accomplish this. Yes, I am a failure. That happened again. And once again, I messed it up. I mess up everything. And it's like those situations that happen in our life start to start to write this script. And we believe that script because we start to see evidences in our lives. And that's, that's just the reality of who I am. I'm this person, but you can still see God's light in me, right? But these words have diminished the light just a little bit. I wanna tell you guys something that's very, very important. So I want you to listen want your eyes on me and I want you to listen to this right now. No person or situation has the right 
to put a label on you. Let me say it again, not a single person, no matter how important they are to you, no matter what role they have played in your life, no matter if they were your parent or your spouse or your best friend, it doesn't matter how good of a person they were, and it doesn't matter what terrible situations you have been in, those people and those situations do not have the authority to put a label on who you are. Only God can do that. And God speaks into you. You wanna know what God says? This is how God, this is how we respond to how God speaks to us. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and, and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful me, to me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. You can. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body knit me together in my mother's womb. Each part of you was done on purpose. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. You're marvelous. You're marvelous. You're marvelous. God says you're marvelous. God says you're marvelous. God says that you are marvelous. You are marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. That means he knew the trouble that you would get into. He knew the bad situations that you were going to be in. He knows all those dark areas. However, every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me? His thoughts about you are precious, not disgust not in judgment. It says that his thoughts about you are precious. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. 
This might be the reality that you have accepted, but it's not the truth of God. The reality that you have accepted might say that you are a failure and it's been proved over and over and over again. But the truth of God says, by Jesus Christ, you are victorious. Your reality might say, I'm weak. I don't have what it takes. I'm inadequate. But the truth of God, (laughs) oh, this is good. I gotta read it to you because it's just so good. The truth of God in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says that my power works best in weakness. My power works best when you are weak. So accept it. It's a good thing. Your reality might say that you're voiceless, but the truth of God says, excuse me, I created you in my image. I gave you a voice box and I gave you a voice box because I wanted you to use it because we overcome by the word, the the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I have a testimony for you that I want you to share. So don't keep your voice quiet, but speak out, speak out when you're afraid because I am there. Speak out when you feel weak because that is when my power is strong. That is the truth of what God speaks over to you. No matter the reality that you might believe, no matter the reality of what people have placed on you, no matter the labels that you have accepted. Your reality might show you that you that you have accepted that you mess up everything. I mess up everything. I don't even want to try because I'm just going to mess it up. I just mess it up, okay? I'm just going to mess it up. But the truth of God says, don't you see? I designed you. I gave you purpose and I designed you to be exactly where you are today. And as such, you play a vital and valuable role in this equation. So whether you mess it up or not, you are important in this. I want you to be there. I want you to do it anyways. And you are getting two realities. The reality that you have put here or the reality of what God says about you. Hebrews 12 wants us, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life, the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with the endurance of the race God has set for us, because He is creating you a pure heart so you can go boldly in heart. You can approach Him. 1 John 4, 13 through 19, the message version says this, this is how we know we are living steadily and deeply in him and he in us. He's given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. Also, we have seen ourselves and continue to state openly that the father sent his son as savior to the world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well. We've embraced it heart and soul. This love that comes from God, because God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear since fear is crippling A fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment. 
is not yet, is one not yet fully formed in love. We though are going to love, love and be loved. First we are loved, now we love. He loved us first. I think it's time for some of us in this room to come home, this home, to get out of our heads and come home to our heart, to let love have the run of the house. They have people like to decorate their houses in different styles. There's a traditional style, there's modern style, there's farmhouse style. Well, God wants to get inside your fortress and start to renovate things to the Jesus style. So it's not self-centered in the saying, I'm saying, come home to who you are, come home to your heart. I'm saying you were created in the image of God. So let God get into your fortress. Let him get into those dark places and start to clear things out of the way so that you can have a renovated space that is in the image of Christ himself, that you can have that freedom and that space not to walk in clutter, not to walk in that stress of knowing that it's always there, but finding that freedom to release those titles, release those labels and have that redesigned in who you are in Him, in Christ. We're gonna open up the altars today. And this is at my last point, that God's word brings freedom. Just getting into His word can help the process of going through those things in your life. So if there's a door that has been closed in your life, there's a corridor that you don't want anyone to have access to, I know it's scary. But the first step is saying, I'm willing. And so I want you to come down to this altar space and elders, you can come to pray with people or you can just come and you can just pray here on your own. But what I want you to do is to take those things, open up that door and (laughs) metaphorically just take that, whatever is locked behind those doors and offer it on the altar before God and say, God, I'm willing to have you take this. I'm willing to have you clean it out. I don't wanna accept this as my truth anymore. I wanna accept your truth, your reality of who I am. Come renovate my space, open me up. Let me be an open fortress of safety for you. In Jesus' name.